Back in 2010, an explosion on BP's Deepwater Horizon offshore drilling unit resulted in the largest environmental disaster in American history. To clean up the estimated 130 million gallons of oil, chemical dispersants, which we were told were safe, but almost immediately local residents and workers began to develop some health problems and nearly 10 years later communities still suffering those consequences that's the the premise of this documentary the cost of silence one of the 16 films in this year's sundance documentary competition in the studio with us we've got the film's director mark manning along with producer langdon page good morning and thanks for being here on the sundance reel thanks for having Thank us you. great intro good morning. good morning so um mark Start by telling us how you got involved. My understanding is that you were a former deep-sea oil-filled diver. How long ago was that? Um, I quit sometime in uh, 90, but, um, and then I became a filmmaker and did some work. And, and when the Deepwater Horizon disaster happened and I was watching the news, I knew, man, that's going to be a big problem. 5,000 feet of water is way too deep to be drilling for oil. And then when I saw some of the uh, reporting and what the oil companies were saying was happening, it just wasn't adding up. So you knew you had a story there? I knew there was a story there. Yeah. Um, so as, as a diver, did you ever undercover any, uh, anything as you were? Uh, because you were actually probably working for the oil companies, yeah? Yeah, yeah. I was an oil company person. Did I ever uncover anything? I mean, we, we worked for two years uh, trying to cap some leaking wellheads and were unsuccessful. So it, it's a very tricky thing to do. Being in the industry, did that help you to sort of uncover things, or did you run out against all that roadblocks? No, it helped a lot. It helped a lot because, uh, you know, the, the Gulf states are oil states, and it gave me some uh, credibility and trust. I knew the language. You know, access is really important. And I knew, you know, what parts of the story were making sense and what, what wasn't, so I knew where to start looking and digging, and, and then I knew the answers were either accurate or completely false. <laughs> So um, in terms of the, the footage in, that you used, I mean, you had a lot of ar archival okay, footage yeah. that you could use, which was helpful. And then you came back and then talked with a lot of the just the locals. Right. We, we, we did this film for over nine years and uh, 26 trips down the Gulf States. Wow. Yeah, well, there, there's a lot of archival that's available on this subject, but a lot of it's Thank very um, short-term, within a window, and it's pretty sanitized, quite honestly. Um, there were BP commercials that were run that everybody remembers um, that tell a pretty straightforward story of how the cleanup went perfectly. But uh, in terms of finding the story that the people were actually living, it was about being down there. And um, and and Mark and Ruben, our, our DP, and a number of dedicated people, our small team, uh, went back for year after year after year when people weren't getting any attention, that the story had passed. And, and so hearing the story from people and then, and then they would see us come back and be like, oh my God, you're, you're actually listening and you're caring and you're making an effort to come down and hear what we're going through. And so that started snowballing. And that, that comes across in the film. That's why we ended up doing it year after year after year in the films. Because you just, you feel the time passing and what these people are actually going through. So for some perspective, I mean, as, as we probably remember, the oil was gushing unabated for like six months. And in the meantime, uh, BP was spreading out these what I called chemical dispersants. Can you tell me what that is? I mean, is that like Dawn liquid soap? Because we had heard a lot <laughs> of times. They were saying it was safe, but what it actually is is a solvent. 
And so it's sprayed on the oil to break up the oil, but it, it binds with the oil and creates a, a substance, as we know now, 50 times, 50, over 50 times more toxic than the oil itself. It injects the oil into the environment. So it injects it into the water column, it aerosols it, and when the sea states are high and the winds are high, it goes up into the air, it goes up in the cloud, it becomes part of the rain, it can travel for hundreds of miles. They were pulling this stuff off the uh, sides of buildings in Florida and up to 300 miles inland. There were pools inland that were filled with enough corrected to kill fish. And so it became a toxic exposure to over 6 million people in the Gulf states. And what was it doing to the people? So the solvent then allows the carcinogens in oil and the other toxic substances to inject into your skin and inject into your body. And they pass that, through your skin yeah. and, and your body tries to get rid of these things. So uh, it, you start, people were getting uh, drainage out of their ears, lesions on their body trying to move these substances out. It's chemical uh, illness. You get, you get chemical bleeds, illness. Toxic overload. Very serious, serious acute symptoms that then turn into long-term chronic symptoms. Headaches, breathing problems, and these were from children to fishermen to um, just people that took their kids to the beach. And those, those chronic, you know, this is why the importance of the story over nine years, those chronic symptoms now have uh, diseases, I mean, sorry, have turned into liver diseases and blood diseases and brain diseases and cancers. There's a latency period. So people go out fishing after the stuff was sprayed um, and then come back and have headaches and nosebleeds and they would feel like they had a cold and it just doesn't go away. And then, and, and so it doesn't go away, it doesn't go away. People would try and go to their doctors and get help. <clears throat> Um, and were never identified as chemical illness. They would say, oh, it's just in your brain, you know, it's just, it, you need a therapist. Um, and then over the, over the last couple of years, the latency period is now starting to kick in, and so we're seeing spikes in cancer rates, and, um, and people are needing a lot of help. What's being done to help them now? Not much. So the, uh, one of the most disturbing parts of the story for me is we heard over and over and over again that when people went to med centers, when people went to medical clinics and said that we're sick from the exposure to dispersants and oil from the spill, they were denied treatment. And that story was over five states. And uh, that's a big part of our film and the uh, systemic cover-up of the health effects down there. And now the oil companies are using that cover-up to expand operations into 95% of U.S. waters. So is it still a danger to be down there? Oh, I mean, absolutely. is that stuff still there, huh? Well, plus now they're using it as the go-to response. So the Gulf of Mexico is a big oil operation. Anytime there's a spill, they spray. Anytime there's a pipeline rupture, they inject. So there's a constant now exposure of Corexit oil in the Gulf. And the people living down there are just under a constant exposure. It's the go-to oil spill response plan for California, for New York. Or in Michigan, in the in the in the Great Lakes, they use it everywhere. What type of impact are you hoping to see from your film, just on legislation and policy well, going forward? Yeah, as a filmmaker, you know, I don't want to see just a film made. So we've created an impact campaign, and it's become quite a large impact campaign. We have over 14 international NGOs supporting it now, from Greenpeace to Physicians for Social Responsibility. I can't name them all because I'm running out of time, but it's over 10 million plus members. And we've developed an app and a web platform. Uh, it's called EngageForSolutions.com. 
and people from the film can go there or from our PR, and then all of our partner organizations' actions are there, plus a way to help the people in the Gulf. So uh, that's going to be really important for us moving forward, for get people engaged in tangible solutions to this mess. Right. But do, do we have anything, I mean, in terms of, like she said, <coughs> legislation that's building? I mean, have you found some sponsors to say, stop, we've got to find something else? We have a great thing going on right now. Two of our uh, cast members are, are litigants in a lawsuit against the EPA to update. The, the EPA is using uh, regulations from the 1980s around these dispersants. And uh, Dr. Ricky Ott and Kinder Arneson, who are uh, cast members in the film, are uh, working with UC Berkeley to sue the EPA and make them start to uh, acknowledge and test these dispersants. And force them to update the emergency response plan, which is the, the go-to protocol for cleaning up oil spills, which is totally outdated. Yeah, and the other thing that people can do is vote. Yes. We've got an election coming up that's uh, going to be incredibly essential to this issue in particular because the dispersants are uh, the go-to cleanup plan that are gonna that have allowed basically the the Trump administration to engage the largest offshore drilling expansion in history. And just and to worry everybody, <laughs> <laughs> the Trump and uh, the oil companies have said they're going to delay those plans until after the 2020 election. They're betting trillions of dollars on Trump's reelection, and they're behind him with trillions of dollars. So, would we have been better off just leaving the oil there? Um, no. There is no safe way to clean up a spill that large. So the oil is toxic, the dispersants are toxic, the mixture is toxic. What this did, this spraying of 2 million gallons of dispersants, hid the fact that this kind of oil spill can't be cleaned up safely. What they would have had to do, whether they sprayed the dispersants or hit, let the oil hit the beaches and the marshes, was to evacuate all the coastal communities in five states, millions of people, for a year. That's what you'd have to do to clean up this kind of mess. They hid the fact that this kind of oil development is too dangerous. It's too dangerous. And they hid that. And now, not only that, they're planning to expand it. Okay. You've got a couple of more screenings uh, today at 1 o'clock at Redstone, Thursday at 9 p.m. at the Temple Theater, Friday the 31st, 9 a.m. at Holiday Village. Have you guys been picked up? Or are we going to be able to see you somewhere on Point of View or something? We don't know yet. Uh, the conversations are happening as we speak. So we're hoping this will, uh, that will, distributors will be bold and come out and uh, and release this so people can see it. It's a uh, it's it's a film that there are vested interests that don't want it to be seen. So, and it, it, it's a future. You know, this, the, there is going to be another spill, and if people don't learn what's happened, it's going to happen to them. It's going to happen to another community. It's going to happen to another state. They're going to spray these dispersants as soon as there's another spill. It's been pre-approved in every area of the country. So if there's a spill off of L.A. or off of the Carolinas, they already have the dispersant stage. They're going to use them, and they're not going to ask anybody, and they're not going to tell anybody. There's no rules that they have to uh, get them approved or do notifications. Unless we change the way the train is rolling. <laughs> and oh, have folks. you heard, <laughs> uh, through screening so far and just reaction to the film, have you heard a lot of motivation to... People get riled make, up. Yeah. People, People get, get riled, riled up. up. Mm -hmm. it's, not, it's really shocking to... to to see this story unfold with, um, you know, you sort of can be cynical and say corporate interests are, you know, looking for money and this and that, and that's the ultimate end game. But then to see the, the, our regulatory structure uh, on the federal level as well as the local level be actually um, geared in such a way that these things are allowed to happen without any recourse for citizens is, 
it's really angering. And there's no accountability. This film exposes that there is no agency there to protect citizens anymore at all. There, all the agencies just pointed a finger at everybody else. There's no accountability with this. We, we contacted all the agencies. They pointed fingers at each other. Nobody's taking responsibility for human health in these situations. Nobody. Mm. We're on our own. We've got to get together and do something. Well, we appreciate your time this morning. Again, we've been talking with the director and producer of The Cost of Silence. Again, one of those in the U.S. Documentary Competition at 2020 Sundance. Thanks for your time this Thanks morning. Thanks so much. Honored to be here. Have Thank a great you. day. Tune in and find out about some of the unknown and talented independent filmmakers from around the world. Join us for the Sundance Reel each weekday morning between 9 and 10. We'll highlight some of the most intriguing films being presented at this year's Sundance Film Festival. That's the Sundance Reel weekday mornings from 9 to 10 through January 31st, right here on KPCW or online, kpcw.org. The Sundance Reel is brought to you in part by Sundance Institute, presenting the 2020 Sundance Film Festival from January 23rd through February 2nd. And Acura, proud 10-year sponsor of the festival and supporter of independent film and music. Learn more at Acura.com.